Before we begin our Torah study this evening, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. The Torah begins with the book of Genesis, Bereshit in Hebrew. It means origins, and it starts with the beginning. Bereshit bara Elohim et hashemayim ve'et ha'aretz. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so we start with the beginning. And for all of you skim readers, all of you people who tend to just jump around and not necessarily read everything uh, carefully, and thoroughly, I want to encourage you, don't skip this first verse or this first reading. It declares that God himself brought the universe into existence and that by his sovereign actions, time, space-time reality was created. By God's creative actions as well, all of us who are living have come into being. Humanity and all living creatures have our genesis in God. And for this reason, we're accountable to him for the lives that we lead. And for this reason, we have to keep looking to him for wisdom, for understanding, for guidance, so that we can live well and live in a way that brings glory and honor to God and is pleasing to him. And as much as we need God, the scriptures teach us we also need each other. And that's why Yeshua taught that the two greatest commandments have to do with loving both God and people. And it's why God made the comment in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a fitting helper, ezer konegdo in Hebrew, a, a fitting helper for him. So think about this, because it's a provocative thought. Man was not really alone. He was with God. But God said, that's not enough. Of course, man needs God. But man needs woman as well. A fitting helper, not an assistant. The Holy Spirit is also called an ezer, a helper. It's not an assistant, folks. He is so much more. Ezer is much more than just an assistant. The Hebrew phrase Ezer Konegdo can be translated in two interesting and very different ways. One way is suitable, a suitable helper. And the other one is an opposite person. Wow. So suitable means corresponding to and complementing him. I'm saying a specific word in English, complement, which is spelled with an E, not an I in the middle. Complement means to add to and to bring completion to and to create synergy with. But the word to give a compliment is spelled differently. Some people say it the same, but it's spelled differently. It has a very different meaning. It means simply to say something nice. But to be suitable, to be ezer connecto, means to correspond to and to complement. Now, that's one way 
that it can be translated the other way is to be opposite, to be opposing him and fighting with him. So Ezra Kenigdo, two translations that reflect two different ways of being, very different kinds of relationships as well. The Jewish sages have said, if the man is worthy, she will be a help to him. And if he's unworthy, she'll be opposed to him and she'll fight him. So what does it mean to be worthy? It means to, to live a life that honors God and is pleasing to God and recognize the value and the importance of God's creation, of God's order, and of the woman as well. The Torah goes on to tell us that God built woman. It's an interesting uh, distinction. Woman comes from man in the telling that we read about in Genesis, but she is distinct from him. She is Ezra Konegdo. She shares uh, much of the same characteristics, but she has distinctives. And one of the interesting distinctives that we know is that the woman shares much of the genetics of a man, but her genetics are different. So she comes from man, but she's not just like a man. She's different. And of course, we know that, but we need to remind ourselves because in the uh, in in so many times and in our time, there are many people who are just confused about uh, the value of people with differences and try to blur the differences in order to produce uh, no difference so that we can say everyone is the same in order to say everyone's valuable. But here's the thing. Everyone is valuable, even though we're all different. I want to explore that. Because from all of this, we can take a really important lesson that men and women need each other. And though we are different, we need each other. In fact, because we are different, we can be good for each other. And when we understand this, then we'll recognize a pattern that's in the scriptures, the pattern of mutual need and mutual value that applies for many human categories, male and female need each other. We need to value each other. Young and old need each other, and we can value each other. Jew and Gentile need each other, and we can value each other. People of different ethnicities, blacks and whites, need each other, and we can value each other. This pattern of mutuality is foundational to the idea of the body of Messiah, mutual need, mutual value. We are all valued and valuable in God's eyes. And thus, loving God means to love one another and to respect value and to um, realize each of us is valued and valuable. The pattern is expressed in the New Covenant metaphor of the body of Messiah. The body metaphor is used to convey the idea that we need each other and we are valuable to each other. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 speaks about it, starting in verse 14 and going to verse 20, if you're taking notes. For the body is not one member, but many. 
If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it's not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body, it's not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? Verse 20 now. But now there are many members, but one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So it's an interesting metaphor and uh, way of communicating the the body of Messiah. It has some richness, some poetic power to it, but it also can give us insights as well. And it's an opportunity for a little bit of Paul's Jewish humor to uh, express itself, where he's talking about an eye that we're talk that was talking, or an eye speaking to the hand, or the uh, the body being just one big eye. Um, Paul says this because I am not something. I can't say I'm not part of the body because I'm not a foot or an ear. Or you can fill in the blank, and if you're not talking about. Um, a body part, but in the body of Messiah, you can start to get some insight. It would be absurd, Paul says, for the body to be reduced to one organ. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? One part, one organ cannot say to another part, another organ, I have no need of you. And this way of understanding our differences, and that we are components together and belong together is really valuable. It helps us grasp some important principles of our human nature, of our identity, and our belonging to something greater. We have different functions, gifts, abilities, you name it. Our individuality, even our rarity and our uniqueness, they are the means by which we all fit into the greater body. Our differences are meant to be appreciated and celebrated. You may be one of a kind. You may even be an oddball, but you're still part of the body. Now, there are two temptations to recognize. One of them is the temptation uh, where a person says, about themselves, I'm different, so I don't belong. I'm different from the others, so I don't belong. And Paul would just say, that's wrong. The other temptation is that someone would say about another, you're different, so I don't need you, and you don't belong. And that also is wrong. You see, it takes all of us together. It's born this, this concept is born from the same reality of male and female. It's a grand pattern for humanity. It was not good for man to be alone. Man needed woman, woman from man, but different and different is good. We need each other and we attain fullness together. We cannot reach our highest levels alone.
the same pattern of mutuality applies not just to man and woman and not just to members of the body of Messiah in general, but it applies specifically to Jews and to Gentiles. And let me develop this idea. It's an important and useful idea. Two verses in Romans chapter 11 together speak of this. Romans 11 verse 12 says, if Israel's stumbling regarding Messiah means riches for the world, and if their falling down has given rich opportunity for the Gentiles, how much more will Israel's fullness mean for the nations of the world? So here, fullness means, I think, the full measure of godly qualities and full representation, full participation. And the, the message here is the fullness of Israel will be a greater blessing for the nations. And here's something else. The fullness of the nations is meant to be good and useful for Israel. Romans chapter 11, continuing in verse 25. For brothers and sisters, I want you to understand this truth, which God had formerly concealed but has now revealed, so that you won't imagine you know more than you actually do. It is that stoniness, to a degree, has come upon Israel until the Gentile world enters in its fullness. So let's look at some of the ideas here. God had formerly concealed this truth, but has now revealed it. Concealed means uh, that something's hidden. And Paul says, God did the concealing. That's worth thinking about. There's something about this that we have to learn about, discover, uh, take deep into our understanding in our hearts. Now, next point, the Jewish people are waiting for the other nations to enter into their fullness. And not, it's true that uh, not all of us Jewish people are grasping that. But fullness, remember, is not about number. It's about quality. It's about the full measure of godly qualities and full representation and full participation in the world that God has created. And in the body of Messiah, Jews and Gentiles are interdependent. We need each other. We depend on each other. Both are called to value each other and to do good to the other. That is mutuality. Now, here's, an, here's the idea. This pattern applies to many, many categories in life. It applies to blacks and whites in an interesting way. It's something to think about. And I want to explore something uh, that that you may not have given much thought to. There are Jews who are black, and there are Jews who are white, there are Jews who are brown, there are Jews of all different skin colors. Now, there are also Gentiles who are black, and Gentiles who are white, and Gentiles who are brown. So now let's let's take this uh, a little further in our thinking. Jewish people cannot reach fullness as Jews, if we understand Romans 11 accurately, 
if we don't appreciate and value all kinds of Jews, and that includes all colors of Jews and all language groups of Jews. And it's also why we Jewish people have to reject sinat chinam, which means causeless hatred, hatred without cause or, or free um, or undeserved hatred. It's a deep root cause of division. Now, in the same way, Gentiles cannot reach fullness until there is an appreciation and valuing, not just of the Jewish people, this is what I want to explore right now, but also of all kinds of Gentiles. That includes all colors of Gentiles and all language groups of Gentiles. Gentiles valuing and appreciating all kinds of Gentiles. That's an expression of fullness. So the Jews are called to value and appreciate all kinds of Gentiles. The Gentiles are called to value and appreciate all kinds of Jews, but the Gentiles also are called to value and appreciate all kinds of Gentiles. It's an interesting idea. And it helps us understand that both groups, Jews and Gentiles, have to reckon with racial diversity within their group and between their groups. It, it, it comes with the territory, folks. Both groups have to learn what we could call ahavat chinam. That's uh, Hebrew for causeless love. Love the kind of love Yeshua teaches about. So the same principle that holds for male and female, we need each other, holds for all these other categories, because that's the way it really works. And brace yourselves, because for almost every category that we can consider, both parts are needed and both parts need each other. The prophet Joel puts it this way, God will pour his spirit out on all flesh and blood. And that's as inclusive as you could get, wouldn't you say? And here are categories that he mentions in uh, his prophecy. Joel mentions young and old, male and female, servants, both men and women. It's interesting to me. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, going back to uh, that chapter we've been looking at, it puts it this way. There's one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Jews and Greeks, slave and free, one body together, all of us given one and the very same spirit. Now, here's how Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 puts it. And here I'm using my own personal Amplified Translation. I call this the David Levine Amplified Translation. Galatians 3.28, there is no difference in value between Jew and Greek, slave and free, male and female. Four, you are all valuable and incorporated into one body through Messiah Yeshua. Now, this, this is how Isaiah puts it in Isaiah 56, verse 3, speaking specifically to an issue that has great import in the Messianic movement. Don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be a part of his people. You see, that is 
um, a problem that people can have, that those who are not born Jewish will feel like they can't fit into the body of Messiah. Uh, and so they can struggle. Isaiah 56 says, don't let foreigners feel that way. Uh, if they commit themselves to the Lord, they can be part of his people. The Lord will let them be a part of his people. And then again, in verse 7, in Isaiah 56, verse 7, this is something Yeshua spoke about. Uh, he often spoke uh, referring to Isaiah's prophecies. But Isaiah 56, verse 7 says, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. So God's house is for the benefit and the good of all nations. And this vision, this vision of Isaiah's is present even in the early part of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 2, verse verses 2 and 3 says, In the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains, and it will be raised above the hills. And pay attention to this. This is an important point. All nations will stream to it. Uh, I like to think sometimes all nations will live stream to it. We've got over a hundred countries that have been reached through our podcasts over the years. And many different people groups, going back to Isaiah, many different people groups will come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. For the Torah will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So I want you to see the pattern here. It's the pattern of mutual need and value. And this pattern is essential to messianic life and to the great hope that we have for God's shalom, for his peace to touch the world. Solomon saw the pattern when he was praying over the dedication of the Jerusalem temple. He prayed to God in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 32, we read, uh, this was part of his prayer, in the future foreigners who do not belong to your people, Israel, will hear of you. This is interesting because these are foreigners who are not, let's just be clear, they're not the lost tribes of the house of Israel or something. They are a different ethnicity. They are truly foreign and they don't belong to the people. They will come from distant lands when they hear of your great name and your strong hand and your powerful arm. And when they pray toward this temple, and then it goes on. I, I just want to underline that statement. When they pray toward this temple, when they pray, when they're in their foreign lands and they hear of your great name and your strong hand and your powerful arm, and they pray toward this temple. You see, that, that thought is one of the reasons why we all turn towards Jerusalem when we pray the Shema together, because we are reflecting on the importance that Solomon recognized, and we turn in the direction of 
Jerusalem as a way of honoring the Lord and honoring all the things that the Lord has done and all the things that he is doing and all the things that he says he will do. And it's also a way of honoring that God works in Jerusalem and in the land of Israel, but he also works in the diaspora and the whole world, the whole world. Zechariah saw the pattern when he was prophesying about the coming age of Messiah. Zechariah chapter 8, verse 22. This is part of the prophetic vision that God gave Zechariah. It's this one verse. Many people from strong nations will come to Jerusalem to worship me, says the Lord, and to ask me to treat them with kindness. This is so interesting. It shows that interaction, the interdependence, the interconnection between the nations of the world and the Jewish people, and between the geography, all the lands that people live in, and the land of Israel, and then the interaction between the God of Israel, the Jewish people, the God of the Jewish people, and the nations of the world. The nations, strong nations, will come to Jerusalem to worship God together with the Jewish people and to ask God to treat them with kindness, with covenant love. Now, let me stir the pot just a little bit. This pattern of mutual need and value can also apply to the realm of politics, to socioeconomics, and to many other aspects of life, rich and poor, young and old, different ethnicities, different language groups, different levels of education. We all need each other. And just because you think you don't need some of those other people, It doesn't mean you're right. It might mean, like Paul says, you're just an eyeball saying you don't need an ear. So let's remember our differences are the means by which God fits all of us into his body. It's good we're not the same. We need these differences. Thank you, Mishpacha, for taking such things to heart. I know it can be challenging during times of polarization and division, but we've been called to overcome it all because we're one in Messiah. Well, I want to invite you again to join us on Saturday morning, tomorrow morning, for a special Simchat Torah celebration. We'll be taking turns carrying the Torah and the Haftor scroll around the sanctuary. We're going to have a great time of worship. We'll roll the Torah scroll back to the beginning, and we'll begin our reading cycle from the scriptures. Hope you can join us. In a moment, we'll be closing with Aaron's blessing and then a final worship song. But first, would you consider standing with us financially? If this live stream is a blessing to you, or if our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast is a blessing, or if our sanctuary services are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information can be found on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. Let's close with Aaron's blessing now. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ya'er Adonai panavelecha v'yichnecha. Yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasem lecha shalom. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep watch over you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine on you. And may the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you shalom. We pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen.